Welcome to CE Online. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. So excited about today's service. We believe this could be the best and most impacting hour of your week. Throughout the service, you may have some concerns, some questions, comments, prayer requests. Go to churchexperience.tv forward slash connect or pull up your camera app and hit the QR code to connect with us. Now, if you always want to hear what's going on here at CE like I do, just hit the subscribe button. I would love to hear from you, get back to you, pray for you. We are ready to dive in. Would you stand with me as we sing some songs of worship to Jesus?
I just pray that your peace is surrounding us in this moment right now. Let it flood over us. Father God, you're with us. I pray that in the stillness and in the peace that we feel in your presence, Lord, that all of our troubles, our struggles, they would just wash away. In the name of Jesus, I just pray, Lord, that as we listen to this message, as we prepare our hearts to hear what you have to say to us, Lord. Father God, I just pray that you would, you'd speak to our hearts. We would hear exactly what we need to hear, Lord. Thank you, God, for being so merciful, so graceful, Lord. We just thank you. And it's in your name that we pray, Lord. Amen. Well, hey, what's up, Church Experience fam? I want to get started today with a question. Here's the question. How many of you have unused gift cards or store credits in your purse or your wallet right now? Statistically speaking, over half of us right now have unused gift cards. Value that's untapped in your purse or your wallet right now that you haven't used. Some of you, for nine months, 18 months, you're wondering if it still even works but it's been sitting there all this time because you've never found a time and place or you went to that store and you forgot that you had the gift card until two weeks later. And you're like, oh man, I, I missed it. That was, that was my opportunity to use it. And so you've been carrying this value around unused. And, and look, no judgment for me. My first date was with an unused gift card. <laughs> Jen's parents had this gift card to a steakhouse. They loaned it to us. That's how we went out on our first date. And look, don't judge me either because we're going 20 years strong. So It works. It works, man. Even those unused gift cards have some value. But you know, I was kind of thinking about how millions of dollars in gift cards go unused, literally expired, never used, every, every year, unused value that could have been used. It could have been tapped into, but for whatever reason, went unused. And I was thinking, I wonder how many of us have relationship value that's left on the table. You know what I'm saying? Like relationships that are good and we've got used to good, but they could be exceptional. Like I wonder how many of us are in marriages or friendships that are okay, that could be great. Or maybe they're broken and they're hurting and they could be healed and restored and better. And here's our heart in this teaching series called Fixer Upper, that God does a remodel of the relationship rooms in your life. And whatever room it is that you need God's remodeling, that he would do some serious restoration to your relationships. The first week in Fixer Upper, we talked about the relationship room of work. 
We talked about how God wants to be at work while we are at work. And last week, we talked about the, the kids' room in our life, the room of parenting. Talked about how God wants to establish godly families and, and his plan for that. Well, this week, we're going to talk about rekindling the romance. We're going there. We're talking about the relationship room in your life called romance. And, and look, you, you might be single today. You say, I, I don't think this one applies to me. Listen, it, it does. So just, just take notes for a friend. <laughs> it's okay. Because <laughs> listen, this is going to help you now, and it might help you later as well. But my hope is that today, wherever you're at relationally, that God's going to do a fresh work in the romance room of your life relationally. And I think you're going to take some principles that are going to apply to all your relationships. But that's where we're going today. And, and we're going to start out in God's Word in the, in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have a Bible and you want to open up with me to Ephesians chapter 5, that's where we'll be most of the time. You can power on your Bible. Let's, let's get after it. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this is going to go on and talk to husbands and wives. So specifically for marriages, not that it doesn't apply to our other relationships, but this was written for the context of marriages. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So our, our vision for a healthy relationship, it begins and ends with Christ. He's our why. He's, he's the foundation. And it's his vision, it's God's vision that created marriage in the first place. This was not man's invention. It wasn't an earlier civilization that came up with the idea of marriage. God literally came up with the idea. That's why we think it's so sacred. It's because it's God's intention. It was God's initiative. It was his vision. And if you want to write some things down today that would be helpful, let's begin with this context of what does romance lead? What's God's vision? Here it is. God's vision for marriage. A husband and a wife submitted to Christ and to each other. There it is. A husband and wife submitted to Christ and to each other. That's, that's God's vision for what a marriage can look like. And submission is not a popular word. You hear a lot of teaching on these days, but submission, it, it ultimately brings unity. Because for someone to be submitted to another or to be submitted to God, it requires humility. And humility fosters unity. It's what brings unity is when you have humility, when you're not thinking of yourself, but you're thinking of the other person, you're thinking outside of yourself. That's, that's what brings unity in a relationship. But why would we submit to somebody else in, in the first place and not just do whatever we feel like doing? Why, why would we submit? Well, it tells us here in this verse, if you want to look again, it tells us to, to submit to each other because we are submitted to Christ. There, there's our motivation is that we're submitted to him because of his authority in our life we can submit to others. So we want to honor Christ and we want to honor what, what he's modeled for us. And I want you to look closely at this verse, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. What, what is Christ modeled for us in relationships? Take a look. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So he humbled himself. And that's what allowed God's vision to be fulfilled through Christ's life. It was 
through humility. And that's how you're gonna see God accomplish the vision that he has in your romance. That's how you're gonna see your romance rekindled is, is by beginning with humility. It's not about me, it's, it's about God and I'm submitted to God. And so because I'm submitted to God, I can submit to what he wants in this relationship. And, and this model that Jesus gave for us wasn't just an example for us, but it was the ultimate work of relationship remodeling. Because when Jesus came to die for your sins on that cross, he came to do it with the vision of restoring your relationship, your ultimate relationship with your Father in heaven. And because Jesus paid the ultimate price, death, for your sins, when you receive him into your life and ask for his forgiveness, you can be forgiven and restored into right relationship with God. And it's only in the context of that first relationship, that greatest relationship, that all your other relationships take on new meaning, that they can become what God intended for them to become. And so as we're restored to God in relationship with him through Christ's sacrifice, we can learn to sacrifice in our relationships. And as he humbled himself, we can learn to walk in humility in our relationships, where it's no longer about what we want, what we get out of it, what's in it for me. Do I feel in love or not? It's not about me at all. In fact, it's about honoring God in my marriage, in my dating relationship. It's about honoring God in all my relationships and humility because that's what Jesus modeled for me and that's what he ultimately did for me so I can be in relationship with God. Well, it takes humility to serve and it takes humility to sacrifice. But when you put the, the needs that you have behind the needs that the other person has, that's when a relationship can really grow. I want you to write this down. Healthy marriages are built by serving each other first. You wanna have a healthy marriage? You wanna, you wanna have a healthy romance? Then, then you've got to put the other person first. That, that's, that's when it gets beautiful. I mean, that's when the magic happens. It's when we serve each other. It's when we put others' needs ahead of ourselves. And every great relationship in every area of our life is built one act of service at a time. One moment of putting someone else's needs ahead of our own, it builds a relationship. So how do I do that? How do I do it in a relationship where they're not serving me? Well, I start by modeling it and I serve them. Even when it's not reciprocated. And you're saying, I don't even know if they love me anymore. We've been in this relationship for a while and I don't even know where we stand. Look, just start serving. There's power when you start serving, but it takes humility. And it takes humility to live out your role in that relationship. And, and interestingly, God created very unique roles for men and women. There's a lot of things that we share in common, but God made us beautifully unique. And there's a lot of talk in our culture these days about minimizing the differences, and we're all the same. But there's actually beauty in diversity. And there's amazing diversity that God created in a man and a woman. And it says that in the very beginning of his word, that he created us male and female. And when God created that diversity, he meant for it to be unified in the context of a marriage. And, and that ultimate goal of, of a marriage that honors God and, and reproduces in children that, that honor him and passing down the faith to future generations, that was God's idea of family. And it was his invention, and so he knows best how to help us understand our role in that relationship. And so I wanna read on further in Ephesians chapter five. We begin with verse 21 where it tells us to be submitted to each other. So it's in the context of mutual submission to each other that he goes on and addresses both wives and then husbands. So we're gonna, we're gonna speak to both sides of the relationship, but let's talk to wives first and let's take a look at Ephesians chapter five, beginning in verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits itself to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Did you see that? In the context of where we began, mutual submission, submitting to each other, there's roles that we play in this healthy, godly home where each person is submitted to Christ and to each other. There's unique roles that we can play to bring order to the home. Now, when it talks about submission, what does that actually mean? I'll describe it this way. I had an opportunity to officiate the wedding of two good friends this, this last week. And, and it was a beautiful wedding. And, and the reception was amazing. They had all kinds of fun activities. And, and at the reception, there was a photo booth. And they had these really fun props, and I really wanted to get a picture of my family. I thought it would be fun, but also you get to leave a copy for the bride and the groom. And so we wanted to kind of wish them well by making a fun family picture for them and leaving it. And so we, we were wanting to go to the photo booth. I was in line. I had three of my four children. My wife was not far away. I was missing only one child. But it was about this time when I'm making my way toward the front of the photo booth line that they announced the cupcake truck. Now, if you've ever seen a cupcake truck before, I mean, it's incredible. They have all these beautiful and great tasting cupcakes in this truck. And you walk up and tell them what you want. And they give you these cupcakes. And I mean, it's a dream come true for a child. Which is why when I had three of my four children and I couldn't find the other one, I looked up just in time to see them sprinting, like literally sprinting toward the cupcake truck. And it was in that moment where I saw my child sprinting towards the cupcake truck, like many of the other kids at the wedding reception, that I realized I had a choice, one of two things. I could tell all the other children to stay and I could go get my other child and bring them back for the picture. Or I could give up what I wanted and tell my kids, hey, go have fun, eat some cupcakes, we'll get this picture later. Now what I wanted to do was, was get the job done, get the task accomplished, like get the picture taken and let's move on and have fun. But, but I knew that what was best for my kids, what was best in that situation was to put down what I wanted for the greater good of the family. And so that's what I did. And, and I have not always got that right, by the way. There's so many times I've got that wrong and I put what I wanted ahead of what was actually best. And what submission means is to put the other person's interests ahead of your own. It's to lay down your pride and in humility, offer the gift of respect and honor and say, well, what, what do you want? What is, it, what is it that you would like to do? And, and this is what it's telling us both to do in the context of verse 21, mutual submission. But now here it's saying to the wife, wife, submit yourself to your husband in what way? To honor him and respect him as the head of the home, as the leader of the home. And, and, and by the way, when it comes to leadership, we talked about this in week one when we were talking about our work relationships. Leadership is influence. And you can lead from any position that you have. So this does not mean that the husband is the better leader or that the husband will have more influence. It simply is creating order. See, God is creating order in the family. And, and when he's describing the head of the household, he's not saying that the woman cannot lead in the family. She should lead. She should have influence. Sometimes you can have much greater influence even when you don't have the position of leadership. But God here is, is, is setting order to the family. He's not in any way describing value. It says elsewhere in the New Testament that, that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male or female. it's saying that we're all equal in God's eyes when it comes to our value. There's no inferiority. That's not at all what it's saying here. It's describing something that's much more complex and beautiful. 
Certainly not talking about our value in Christ's eyes. We're equal in the eyes of Christ when it comes to our value and how much he cares about us. Certainly, you can become a great leader, a greater leader, no matter what your position is. So what is he actually talking about when he talks about the, the husband being the head of the wife? He's talking about order. As I heard a mentor once say, anything with more than one head is a monster. And when there's two people fighting to be the leader, to be the head, to get their way, to, to accomplish what they want to accomplish, we start to battle with each other. We lock horns together and there's no progress. There's chaos in the home instead of order, which God wants. And when we can lay down our pride and submit to each other and submit to the role that God wants us to play in that relationship, God can bring blessing to both the husband and the wife into the entire home. And so when he, when he talks about wives submitting to the husband as the head of the household, what he's doing is he's creating order in the home so that everybody is cared for and loved well. And so wives... Submit yourselves to your husband and everything, not, not based on their worthiness, not, not based on how spiritually mature they are or godly they are. You're submitting to them because you're submitted to Christ and Christ has set order in the home. And, and when it says in the New Testament there's neither male nor female, it's, it's also interesting here to see how God is describing unique roles for the husband and wife. So clearly, it's not talking about there not being any value in the differences in our gender. In fact, the very beginning of the Bible, it says God created the male and female. He created us uniquely and differently. And in, in a culture, in an era where we're living in now where we're, we're minimizing and, and kind of hiding the differences between male and female in our, our gender, I would like to point out that there's beauty in diversity. The, the God has created diversity even in the home between the male and the female. There's differences that complement each other, that help us connect together in every way, literally, and, and allow us to procreate and pass on the faith to future generations. God established order in the home for the home to operate in a certain way, a way that he created that would be beautiful. And it was his design. It wasn't invented by man. It wasn't some past civilization that invented marriage. God designed it. It's from God. And so the author of marriage is giving us order in how a marriage should work in a way that brings honor to him. So it says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands and everything. And it's a shift from competing against each other to competing for the marriage and ultimately for the good of the other person so that God can get great glory in the relationship. But notice it doesn't stop with a conversation about the husband alone, does it? Look back with me again at verse 25 in Ephesians chapter five. It, it talks to the husbands. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, think about what Christ did for the church. And, and, and if, if, you're, if you're a husband right now, I just want you to just take a moment and think about that. Guys, what did Christ do for the church? What did he do for you? He, he stepped out of his comfort in heaven and he, he came down to this sin-stained planet and he walked the earth knowing that he would be persecuted and ultimately executed in a painful way on that Roman cross. But he did that because of his great love for his church. It's one of the many reasons why we believe that the institution of marriage, the creation of marriage by God is a sacred thing. It's because God created it and he relates it to the concept of Christ and the church. And he calls the church his bride, the bride of Christ. So, so marriage is a sacred thing in God's eyes. It's an order thing that he created and wants it to happen a certain way. It's his invention. 
And, and so as we submit to him, we submit to his way of doing relationship. And in that context, he says, this is how it should work. Wives, submit to your, your husbands, honor them, respect them. As a leader in the home, you can still lead. You're, you're valued just as much, but, but respect and honor, not competing against each other, but there's order. And so submit to your husband. But then notice what the husband's role is. It's such a beautiful thing. Just like Christ loved the church and laid down his life for the church, husbands, Love your wife like Christ loved the church. He sacrificed for her. He gave her everything. He put down what was in his best interest. He disadvantaged himself for your advantage. Husbands, this is how you love your wife. You sacrifice for her. You give of yourself. You give everything, whatever it takes, the hardest role in the family, you volunteer for it. When a sacrifice is needed, you do it. When you're stuck, you're the first to die to yourself. When there's competing interests, you give up yours for the sake of the other. You love her. She's going to respect you. And by the way, she'll respect you so much more when you love her like Christ loved the church. Wives, do you only respect your husband when, when he's worthy of it? When, when he loves you like he should? No, you, you respect him because you respect Christ at all times. And, and husbands, do you love your wife when she doesn't respect you? Of course you do, because it's ultimately for Christ. You, you, you honor her and love her. And as we're mutually submitted to each other in humility, and as we honor God's order in the relationship, and as we serve each other, God can do such incredible things in that relationship, but it requires sacrifice. So here's a question for you. Where do I get to sacrifice next? Not where do I got to sacrifice next, but where do I get to sacrifice next? I feel so sad for the person that feels like, well, I've got to do this role. I've got to sacrifice. I've got to submit to the needs of the other person. It's a beautiful gift when you can give it with a glad heart. I'm so happy to sacrifice for this other person because I love them that much, because I respect them that much. I want you to go back to this this story again in, in Ephesians chapter five. Look at verse 28. In this same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. Husbands, love your wife as you love yourself. This is one of Jesus' principal teachings. Love your neighbor as yourself. We had a conversation about this last year. Maybe you remember it. We, we, we said, you know, how is it that when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, and we don't always love ourselves well, how is it that we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves? Because we're not always great at caring for ourselves. So what does that actually look like? Husbands, love your wife as yourself. How, how, do you, how do you actually live that out? Well, we talked about how there's a few things that we naturally do to care for ourselves. If someone throws a ball our way, we put our hands up. We, we naturally self-protect. And one of the ways that you love your wife, husbands, and one of the ways that you love your neighbor, all of us, is is you protect them. You ask the question, how can I protect them? Do they need more rest? How's she doing? Is is, is she committed to a lot of things? Is she really busy? Do I need to help protect her schedule? Do I I need need to ask her some questions like, hey, are you caring for yourself? Because you seem to be caring about everybody else right now. Are are you doing okay? How How can I protect you? Maybe it's, Protecting them because they need more romance in their life. They need you to go out of your way and and serve them. Perhaps they need some time together. They need some more quality time. 
you're going to find out what it is to protect them the more you do it because you're going to start asking that question. How can I protect my wife? How, how can I protect her? You know, protecting is, is something that's all of our role to protect those who are in need and, and to protect others from injustice and protect those who, who have uh, problems that we can help provide solutions to. That's a part of all of our role. But husbands, protect your wives. Love, love always protects. Jennifer and I were driving down the road in a, for a date night the other day, and, and it was just the two of us. And, and uh, as we're driving down the road, a spider started crawling up the windshield. Now, I would have been fine if the spider was outside the vehicle because I'd just flip on the windshield wipers. It'd be gone. But unfortunately, that spider was inside the vehicle. Like, your worst nightmare come true, right? I mean, this thing is climbing up the windshield. And, and I asked Jennifer, I'm like, hey, can you get something that I can kill this thing with? And so as I'm driving, she's scrambling in a purse trying to find something I can smash this thing with. I should smash it with my hand, but I wasn't thinking right. There's a spider right in front of me staring at me. So it's, it's climbing up the windshield. And, and because we can't find anything to smash it with in time, it climbs into the seal between the window and the ceiling of the vehicle. It disappears. So great. Now, now not only do I have a spider in the vehicle, but I don't know where it is. This is a worst nightmare. I mean, this thing's going to follow me. I'm going to wreck the car. Right? I don't know what's going on. And so... And a moment later, Jennifer and I are both kind of waiting for the spider to emerge. And sure enough, it starts crawling across the ceiling right above my head. So she instinctively grabs the water bottle that she has and she tries to smash the spider. Good idea, right? Well, somehow she missed and the spider drops down in its web like about six inches. So it's dangling literally right in front of my face as I'm driving. So I did what every protective husband would do. I slammed on the brakes and I freaked out. <laughs> about crashed the car. And Jennifer's like, what are you doing? It's a spider. And so finally I did just grab it and kill it. And, but man, I'll tell you what, that, that my heart was beating so fast. I was not being a very good protector in that moment, to be honest. But what does it look like for you to protect somebody that you care about? It's, it's to look out for danger, to look out for problems, to look out for needs and ask the question, how can I help? There's another thing we do when it comes to loving ourselves naturally, we tend to help ourselves. If you're hungry, you help yourself to food. If you're tired, you help yourself to sleep. And when we start to love others like we love ourselves, it, it comes down to loving them in the way that we care for ourselves. What do they need? And asking that question, what do you need? And listen, it might be something simple. One, one time Jennifer's phone it was dated and she got it upgraded and all this. And, and, and she's like, Brandon, I just need your help uh, getting me signed into all these accounts because I can't even use some of these things because I don't know what the passwords are and I got to figure this out. And she's like, can you, just, can you just help me get set up on a few of these accounts? I'm like, babe, I'd love to do that. That's, that's simple. I can help you with that. And sometimes it might be something simple like that. There's a problem that's creating some difficulty for what they need to do. And you can step in and just provide a solution. How can you help? Husbands, how can you help your wives? Wives, how can you help your husbands? And then there's another area that we tend to naturally uh, love ourselves in, and that's that we promote. We, we tend to self-promote. If something good happens in our life, whether it's a good meal that we ate or a beautiful sunset that we watched, we, we love to promote it and tell others what we've experienced and tell others about what we've just witnessed. And when we can start to promote others in our life, we can start to highlight what's going on for them, encourage them, talk about what they're interested in. It's a way that we show love to others. It's the exact opposite of what so many husbands tend to do to their wives. They take them for granted, they become entitled, and they start to treat them harshly. But I want to point out what it says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 18. God's word says, in a whole other place in scripture, it says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Do not be harsh with them. 
don't, don't talk in anger to them. Don't blow up at them. Don't demean them with your words. Value them. Just like Christ valued the church, honor them and esteem them. Husbands, love your wife as, as Christ loved the church. Have you ever had a package arrive on your doorstep that's, that said fragile, handle with care? Guys, listen. Your wife might be strong, and so she might not seem fragile to you, but, but I would point out that every life should be handled with care. Much like a, a, a package that has glass inside that if you drop it in the wrong way, it could shatter. Listen, you can shatter a heart if you don't handle it with care. It says, do not be harsh with your wife. She's, she's gonna upset you at times. She's gonna make mistakes. And by the way, you do the same to her. So, so love her, cherish her, honor her, protect her, promote her, encourage her, protect her. This, this is God's vision for marriage. There, there's a really helpful book that came out a while back called Love and Respect. I highly recommend this book. It'll bless your relationship. It'll help you understand God's vision for marriage. It talks so much about the love that should be in a relationship and the respect that should be present. And I really believe this will help you or help someone that you love that's maybe going through a marriage crisis or just wants to make their marriage better. So check it out. I definitely recommend it. But inside this book, the theme of it really comes from this verse in Ephesians chapter five that we've been studying. Verse 33, it says, however, each one of you must also love his wife So husbands, love your wife as you love yourself. And the wife must respect her husband. So husbands, love your wife as you love yourself. Wives, respect your husband. And and this idea is represented throughout the book that really what he's saying is that the, the wife, her primary need in the relationship is to be loved and the man's primary need is to be respected. Now I think both need love and both need respect and, and that's not his point to be exclusive of the other, but what he's saying is, is when you understand that, that primary need and motivation, it really impacts your relationship. And he describes it in a cycle. Like when, when a marriage starts to break down, a romance starts to die out. Like this is, this is really what happens is that they deny these two really critical factors. And, and, and what, he call, what he calls this cycle is he calls it the crazy cycle. And the crazy cycle might be a cycle that you find yourself trapped in these days. In the crazy cycle, he says there's something that's happening is that, that love is, is not, not happening. There's, there's, there's no love, and the, the wife feels that. And because she feels no love, she reacts. And because she reacts to not feeling love, there's no respect. So because she's not loved, she does not respect her husband. And because she's not respected, he reacts. And because he reacts by not showing her love, she reacts and doesn't show him respect. And because she doesn't show him respect, he reacts and doesn't show her love. And he calls this the crazy cycle. And he says, you've you've got to get off this crazy cycle because your relationship will never be what it could be until you get off the crazy cycle. It's just just going to spiral downward. So how do you get off that, by the way? Well, guys, you lead the way. You're the first to die to yourself. And and you reverse this trend and you start to show her love. And and, and so he has another name. He calls it the energizing cycle. But I'm I'm just, for our purposes here, I'm going to call it the the growth cycle, just to be brief. And the, the growth cycle is really the opposite of what's happening over here on the crazy cycle. It starts out with, with love. The husband loves the wife. And so she responds. She's not always gonna reciprocate right away and maybe she never will, but, but in a healthy relationship, when she feels love, she responds. And when she responds to his love, 
she tends to offer respect. And as the husband feels respected, he responds by loving her. And and he calls this the energizing cycle because the motivation to respect flows out of his love for her and her respect for him flows out of her being loved. And so there's this, I I respond to your love, husband, by respecting you and I I respect you, husband, because I feel loved. And it's just this growth energizing cycle that drives motivation. And I think this this is really helpful. And if you have read the book, you'll you'll know that there's a lot more depth to this conversation. But I wanna encourage you to take a look at your relationship and say, are we on this crazy cycle? And what does it take to get on a growth cycle in our relationship? Love and respect, it's a beautiful thing. Well, I want to wrap up this conversation today by looking one more time at Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to point out verse 26. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, it says, To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. See, God has a great vision for the church. It wasn't just to reconcile the church's relationship with the Father. Jesus wanted that, but he also wanted the church to grow, to to wash her, to cleanse her from impurity, to help her get in the word and be built up. See, God had a vision for his church, and he has a vision for your marriage, to rekindle the romance. And he wants that marriage to be on the growth cycle. He wants that marriage to be growing and thriving and healthy and happy and alive. That's what he wants. And so that's the final lesson that great marriages grow together. And so where is your marriage stalled out? Where is your relationship not growing? Perhaps spiritually, the most important area. Look, husbands, as the leader in the home, if it's not happening, It's your responsibility to step up and ensure that your family is growing spiritually. It doesn't lessen the responsibility, wives, on you. In fact, if you see it's not happening, then you should step in that gap. You should help make it happen and influence that in your family. But but if family devotions are not happening, if people are not praying together, if spiritual conversations are not happening, if the family's not regularly in church and growing together, it's, it's your responsibility to step in and ensure that those things happen for the good and the growth of your family, to confront sin, to ensure that sinful media is not infiltrating your family, to make sure that those conversations are centered on Jesus and that the home is an uplifting place to be. Healthy marriages grow together. I'll end this conversation this way. I, I was... Uh, spending some time with our family uh, the other evening. We're trying to get a fire going in the backyard. It's something that we love doing because when you get these rare, cooler days that we have here in Florida, you want to enjoy them. And of course, we wanted to do s'mores around the fire. And so everyone's excited. We got all the, all the supplies for the s'mores, everything set up, ready to go. I had a, a branch that I had cut down out of a tree in our yard previously. It had been laying around in our backyard for quite some time. So I, I got my chainsaw out and I cut this, this branch up into all these little logs and, and I'm ready to go. We got our kindling. We're, we're ready to start this fire. But there's one problem. Because of the recent rains, I was not able to get this fire started no matter what I did. I'm, I'm trying to light these, these little sticks. and I'm, I'm putting paper in there. I'm doing everything I can, and it won't light. I'm finding flammable stuff in my garage. Like, is there anything that will burn that I can put in there and get this fire going? And nothing that I try to work. I even one time went and got some gasoline and poured it on this fire. I'm like, this, this will start the fire. Man, nothing would get this fire started and sustained. So I, I finally broke down, like, all right, I, we've got to do s'mores. We've got the whole family excited about this, but I cannot get the fire started. So I went out, I went out to the store, and I bought me a fire log. 
And these fire logs are amazing. You, know, you just give them a little light and they start burning and they'll stay burning for a long time. And they, they lit the rest of my, my fire. They got it going and it burned for a long time. But I had to come to a place where I recognized that the, the, the fire that I wanted was out of my ability to start. That, that I needed help. And, and maybe there's someone listening to this message. You would say, like, there, there's, there used to be a fire in my relationship. There used to be passion in my marriage, but, but it needs to be rekindled. And no matter what I do, I just can't seem to get it right. I can't seem to get it going. And so you need to reach out for help. And I want to encourage you to do two things. One, reach out for human help. And, and you can contact us at churchexperience.tv backslash connect. And you can give us your information and say, hey, I need to talk to a pastor. And we'd, we'd love to talk to you. But I'd highly recommend our partner, uh, Winning at Home. It's a coaching and counseling ministry that has helped countless marriages a part of our church. We have a partnership with them. And in fact, if you call in and tell Winning at Home that, that you're from Church Experience, they'll give you a significantly discounted rate. And we've put a scholarship fund on hold there. If anybody comes and says, I just can't afford counseling, we've instructed them to pay for the first four sessions on the church because we want to invest in your marriage and we want to invest in your relationship. It's our gift to you because we believe in marriage. So, so get help. If you can't get that fire started, get help. Get help. Seek out another marriage to be a mentoring couple to you. But most importantly, reach out to God because when the fire has gone out and there seems like there's no hope and there's no more passion and things have gone the wrong direction. You might have even given up. Listen, there's somebody who has not given up on your relationship. There's somebody who will never give up on you, and that's God. And he is fighting for your marriage. He's fighting for your relationship. And if you will surrender to him in prayer and say, God, I, I need your help. Show me the way. Give me wisdom. He will give wisdom when you ask him. And he will provide the help that you need. So lean into your faith and ask God for his help. And reach out to others and let them know where you need help. And God can rekindle the romance that you may have given up on. He can bring healing to a broken relationship and he can make a good relationship great. But it's only by his power and it's only when we're submitted to his authority and his order in our marriages. Right on, right on. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the gift of marriage. We thank you for the gift of relationships. And God, I pray right now for the relationship that's struggling to survive. I pray that you breathe new life, rekindle that romance. May it be ablaze once again. And God, just give them hope as they seek you out and they seek help from others. And then God, I, I pray for the relationships that are, that are good, that are, that, are, that are average, that are okay. The marriages that could be exceptional. God, give them a greater vision for how they could grow together and honor you in that relationship. God, today, thank you so much that we could have this conversation on relationships. And I pray that all of our relationships would improve as we try to honor you in these important rooms of our life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I had the best time today worshiping and learning with you. You may have made a commitment during service. We'd love to have you reach out to us. If you have any questions, comments, prayer requests, go to churchexperience.tv forward slash connect or scan the QR code. Now, I want to get even more connected. Check out our social media, Instagram, Facebook website or app, or go ahead and just hit subscribe right here. What a day it has been. Can't wait to see you next week.